Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. And Daoist, Asia's leading digital wealth platform, has launched its second edition of its annual retirement report, which found that more Singaporeans are worried about retirement adequacy. But most Singaporean households are still slow to invest a meaningful amount of their assets on riskier investments. So joining us on the phone today to find out some of the investment trends we are seeing amongst different generations in Singapore when it comes to investing their savings and what are some of the safe investments when it comes to investing in your future is Samuel Reed, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Endowa. Samuel, welcome to the show. Hi, Hamdan. It's great to be here. Hi, great to have you on our show. So, one in two Singaporeans are open to investing their savings to tackle inflation. How is this different from other times? Why are more open to investing their savings now? Yeah, um, we just published the Endowed Retirement Report for 2022. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the survey showed that one in two respondents, half of them actually are open to investing as a means to tackle inflation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, inflation is the hot topic. Uh, mm-hmm. Inflation is what, what caused higher interest rates and caused financial markets to come down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's interesting um, this result came out because the majority of investors, especially the younger generation, mm-hmm. um, the millennials, um, in that segment, almost 60% said investing is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I think they really understand that inflation is something that hurts returns mm-hmm. um, over the long term. And the only way to overcome that is not fixed deposits and low interest rates um, or really risky stuff like crypto. Mm-hmm. It seems like investing in financial markets over the long term mm-hmm. is the only way we can beat inflation. It's very difficult to beat inflation. Right, um, right. A 1% increase in annual inflation rate reduces the purchasing power by almost a third over 30 years. Mm. A 3% interest rate, which is still below where it is now, reduces purchasing power by almost 60%. Mm. So in fact, it is the right thing to do to start investing for the long term because it's the only way to have a fighting chance of securing your retirement adequacy. Mm. I see, I see. So you mentioned that younger generations, 60%, I believe, are are interested in investing Um their savings. How are different generations of Singaporeans tackling inflation and retirement planning? What trends are you seeing in the younger generations compared to the older generations? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that what demographic you are and what you know stage of life you're in is going to determine how you're going to invest mm-hmm. and how you're going to tackle this problem of inflation as well. Um, obviously, just generally, I think the younger generation has a higher propensity to take risk. Mm. Um, and as a result, you take uh, a higher percentage that's going to be investing and even looking for, you know, side streams of income. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hustling basically to generate side income, uh, additional sources of income is very, very high for the younger generation. Mm. Um, the other thing we notice is that a lot of the younger, especially millennials, are much more digitally savvy, digital natives. Mm-hmm. So they often choose to acquire financial knowledge, build their investment plans in a much more proactive way on the digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, which is great sources of information, right. but also disinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's a lot of ways to speculate your money. And so there's been maybe greater pain um, among the younger generation who have been, you know, stock trading meme stocks and you know, right. trying crypto and kind of blowing up. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that that's, you know, very different from the baby boomers and the older generation mm-hmm. who are much more conservative, mm-hmm. uh, maybe rely on more traditional methods of investing um, mm-hmm. and are closer to retirement and therefore are going to be a bit more risk averse in the way they manage their assets. I see. I see. Is it because, yeah. you know, of this like hype in like crypto or like these new meme stocks? Is that why younger generations are more into investing than before? Yeah, I think they, they have been sucked into this because, you know, when everybody seems to be making money by mm-hmm. buying crypto and these meme stocks and you, you make money very quickly, then it's easy to be sucked into the temptation of, you know, trading, having a trading mentality, mm-hmm. having a much more short term focus. But what we've experienced and I've been through it as well when I was younger, uh, every, everybody experiences this, right? And we mm-hmm. go through cycles and we kind of blow up yeah. and we learn our lessons. And I think that it's important for people to, you know, it, it would be great if people don't have to experience that uh, and go directly to the right way of investing, you know, investing for the long term, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, adopting t- tried and tested methods of investing like diversification, mm-hmm. asset allocation. There is a right way to invest. Mm-hmm. But I think the younger generation, we want to try different things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, inevitably, we experience, experience pain and losses. And sometimes that's a good thing to experience when you're young because, you know, that puts you on the right course. Right. right? The mistakes we make actually learn from and then we can actually pursue the right way of investing, especially when you're, you know, into your 30s and 40s. You are developing a career, you're building a family, you have children. And you also see what happens to our parents. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, in retirement, we know that retirement adequacy is one of the biggest goals in life Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to building wealth. Um, We need to do much better there. Yeah. Yeah. And according to your latest report, there are still 55% still unclear on which investments work well during inflation. So what should those do? You know, what kind of investment should those make for those that are worried about inflation? What are some safe investments they should be looking into? Yeah, there's two aspects to this. One is a barbell strategy kind of approach where, mm-hmm. um, where you know, in difficult market circumstances, we, there, is a, there is a need to protect our capital, mm-hmm. right? But protecting our capital in the way a lot of people are doing it these days is, okay, let's lock in the fixed deposit, uh, fixed deposit yields of 3%, 4%. Let's invest in Singapore savings bonds and, you know, T-bills. So a lot of money is flooding into um, the safe asset classes, mm-hmm. right? Um, but these are all short term. Mm-hmm. And when inflation is running at 6%, right? If, it, if inflation is at 2%, mm. then we won't be, you know, we, we won't be worried because, you know, if you can generate 4 5%, you'd be beating inflation. But right, right now, inflation is 6%. Even the 4% deposit yields are not that great of an investment because the real return, which is nominal returns of 4% minus the inflation of 6%, is actually minus 2 mm-hmm. So you actually are locking in a definite certainty of losing money in real price terms, mm. right? So in a high inflation environment, you need to invest in things that will go beyond 6% in returns. Okay. And the only thing that will be able to achieve that in normal terms is investing in good businesses that are going to grow in the long term. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know it's a very difficult thing to do and a bit contrarian, but the reason fixed deposits and interest rates are high is because inflation is high. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not going to be the way to build wealth over the long term. So protect your capital in the short term. But over the longer term, you need to start investing that money into financial markets, into equities and fixed income. 
because we've already seen the market come down quite a lot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, over a very long history, this is one of the biggest corrections we've had, mm-hmm. and therefore a lot of there's a lot of value in the investment that we see. But instead of going in all at once because mm-hmm. you know we're trying to time the bottom, that's not a good way to do it. Okay. We should start trickling some of that safe factors back into financial markets, knowing mm-hmm. that eventually the markets will turn, mm-hmm. and when that market turns, it will give us better returns than any fixed deposits or above inflation. So when you start off investing, you know your savings. What's a good starting point in terms of the amount people should invest? Right, uh, it's a tough question because everybody has different, right. um, you know, risk appetites. Mm-hmm. Uh, have different amounts of money to invest and are at different stages of their life. So it's not good to have a one size fits all strategy. And if everybody does that, then you know we won't have good outcomes. But we know that we do need to invest, as I just explained. Mm-hmm. And if we are to have any chance of success in building wealth and beating inflation, especially. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing is to start and get going. A downturn in markets, as I said, is the best time to get going as you can buy assets at lower prices. Mm-hmm. And then find a risk portfolio, a portfolio that's suitable for you. So an asset allocation of, let's say, 40% equities, you know, 50% bonds, and maybe 10% in commodities or gold. Um, these kind of like diversified allocation, asset allocation strategies that's suitable for you and then find an investment amount that is not too burdensome mm-hmm. and then slowly can drip your savings into the financial markets over time. Mm-hmm. And if you're working, it's great because you have a regular income and of that you set aside a certain amount for savings and then you can invest in markets on a monthly basis mm-hmm. so you're not all in at once at one price and markets go down on yourself or you're actually every month saving on a regular basis. And you can do that with your cash, but CPF mm. is a great way. Your mm-hmm. ordinary account is your monthly savings. Right. You can redirect your ordinary account on in Dallas is really seamless to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then save on a monthly basis. Another really good scheme is the supplementary retirement scheme, mm. which is a fantastic way to get started. It's tax advantageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Singaporeans and PRs on top of your CPF, you can um, save 15300 a year. Okay. That comes out of your tax bill every year. Oh. And if you're a foreigner or an EP holder, it's actually $35,000, $36,000 mm-hmm. that you can save off of your tax bill every year. And you can mm-hmm. do that in a monthly basis or do it lump sum at the end of the year. But that reduces your tax bills quite significantly. So Mm -hmm. with that tax saving, you can invest that SRS and get going on your investment journey. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, build success over the long term. Okay, okay. But, you know, many are still relying on CPF payouts for retirement. Mm -hmm. And is just relying on CPF enough for the future given the inflationary conditions? Yeah, I mean, it was surprising in our survey that nearly half of the respondents were saying that they rely solely on the CPF payout for mm-hmm. retirement. Um, considering that, you know, CPF is not just the pension retirement pot. Right? Right. It has the pension, CPF life, it has the medici- medical, it has education, you have the housing, OA, investing piece. So mm-hmm. there's multiple pots of money. And you're not actually truly built using all of that money just mm-hmm. to build wealth for your retirement. Um, so the CPF life payout is not um, sufficient for most people okay. um, in sustaining their quality of life into their retirement and old age. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that people do more than CPF. Mm. Um, and there's doing about three ways. Obviously, I mentioned SRS, which is a supplementary retirement scheme. The mm-hmm. government introduced that so that you can build on top of your CPF life uh, make have a tax efficient 
um, you know, nest egg that you can build for your retirement. So Mm -hmm. I think everybody, whether you're Singaporean, Singapore PR, or a foreigner, Mm. which is amazing, can actually benefit from immediate tax savings this year and also over the next 10 years, build your retirement nest egg Mm -hmm. um, and then invest it well so that you can grow it even more. So SRS is a great way to supplement your CPF. Mm -hmm. And then the final piece is that you're not only your private life savings, but also your CPF OA Mm. is actually just generating 2.5%. And I think the latest fad is to invest that into T-bills and, you know, uh, uh, other areas where you can generate a bit more yield. Mm -hmm. But the CPF OA is a great piece because it's a big piece of our savings. It's a monthly savings scheme. You can't access the money until you're 55 or beyond. And you should actually maximize the CPF ordinary account, mm-hmm. build your wealth there quite a lot, as much as possible. Mm. And even if after you've retired it, you shouldn't pull the money out. You just use your cash savings oh. and continue to use your OA okay. because it's going to be guaranteed 2.5%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what environment we're in. If we back into a very low interest rate environment, that's going to be a great like cash deposit account that you mm-hmm. can use. And you can pull money out anytime you want beyond mm-hmm. 55. Right. It's a very flexible tool. Mm-hmm. So the CPF OA should actually be the last pot of money that you use because that can be used for investments or get the government guaranteed 2.5%. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, CPF, payout, life, CPF life, SRS, and OA, mm-hmm. and your cash savings can all be built to um, prepare a nest egg for your retirement. Mm. So obviously, just by our conversation here, there are so many different ways that we could save and save for our retirement. So why is financial literacy so important these days? And where can people, you know, start expanding their knowledge? Yeah, I think financial literacy is so critically important, right? Because Mm. we don't get it from our parents oftentimes. I never learned anything from my parents. (laughs) Me neither. And uh, our schools don't teach us, Mm -hmm. you know, and even financial professionals. I've been in the industry 28 years, right? So Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of people. It's surprising how many people in the finance industry actually don't know how to manage their own personal finance. So it's critically important for us to improve financial education literacy. Like Endowers is built and we're focused on being a platform for financial Mm -hmm. education and improving literacy. So we spend a lot of time, our effort, money to reach out and broaden the understanding of, of how to do personal finance better. Mm-hmm. So it's a great resource in Dallas Insights. It's a free subscription. You can actually just sign up and get receive great content. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bloggers out there who have done wonderful work and partners we've worked with, the World Salaryman, the Dollars and Cents team, mm-hmm. and you know, wonderful bloggers out there who have done investment modes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of guys out there who have done fantastic work in building literacy. Mm-hmm. And really, it's about the individual consumer and the investor taking control of their destiny because we can't just rely on financial service companies to give us everything mm-hmm. in the best interest of our you know, future. We have to know better and educate ourselves and be more discerning. Definitely. Um, so they need to know more about themselves, mm-hmm. the risk appetite, the goals in their life, what are their priorities, mm-hmm. what is the type, kind of right type of investment. And then lastly, you need to do the research of what are the financial service companies providing? What is the cost mm-hmm. of investing? You know, all of these things matter because these things all come together to 
um, allow you to succeed in investing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Samuel, for joining us today. Thank you, Hongbin. It's great to be here. <laughs> thank you. We've been speaking with Samuel Ree, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Endowis. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.